and welcome to the Love Key Church message of the week. Love Key Church is a local expression of a part of the body of Christ with a focus on creating a place, opportunity, and atmosphere through worship music and the Word where people can encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and then help others to do the same. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, Valetta, and our four children, we recently launched Love Key Church right here in Somerset West. Enjoy the message. Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe, and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging, and inspiring to you. Thank you so much. God bless you as you listen to this word. So happy that you are here to celebrate with us. We are excited to just spend some time in the presence of God. And I'm excited to hear the word of the Lord that my husband had prepared and that he felt led to preach today. So please know that you are welcome. We love you. Please enjoy it. Sit back, relax, have a cup of coffee. We're going to do this thing. Over to you, honey. Good morning. Thank you, baby. I feel very welcome. I'm so glad. I hope everyone else does. Welcome to Love Key Church. We are so glad that you're joining us. Please tell us where you are joining us from. You can uh, comment uh, your city, where you're coming from. If you're with family, we would love to hear from you and know how it's going with you today. Uh, Our whole focus is for you to have a time of encountering God through worship and the Word and uh, to to be deeply impacted by that. So we we trust together uh, with with you for that. Um, it's, a, it's a great moment for us every Sunday to be able to do this. We're very excited and uh, we want to you know, just share a few things with you as we get into the service today. Um, if you are joining us, I see people keep logging on. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. If you just logged on, we would love for you to be a part of this. We'd love for you to comment uh, tell us where you're logging in from and just be part of this whole session with us. You can uh, ask questions, have prayer requests, all that stuff. We, if we don't get to it during the service, we try to get to it after the service. So thank you so much for joining us today. If you are here for the first time, you may wonder, what is this Love Key thing all about? Um, and the name comes from the fact that we believe the key to salvation is the revelation of how much God loves us. And we, we want to see people encounter God, align with His purposes, and reign in life. That is really the focus that we have and that we want to get to. We, all, we like to say that Love Key is a local expression of a part of the body of Christ with a focus on creating a place, opportunity, and atmosphere for all people to encounter Him, align with His purposes in order to reign in life, and, this is very important, help others to do the same. We also believe that the Word of God is the Word of God, just that. And we believe it, and we stand on it, and we trust that His Word is true, no matter what else is happening out there. We believe that marriage and family is God's idea, and His way of doing it is the right way and the best way. Mm. And we want to see marriages thrive, and families build, healthy families build a healthy nation. Note, I'm not saying perfect families. (laughs) None of us are perfect, but we can be in Jesus and therefore be healthy and build a healthy nation. We want to be a part of the eradication of fatherlessness, and we want to shine a light on the crisis of cultural Christianity. Some of you who join us each week have heard this a few times. The reason I keep repeating this is to make it very clear what we stand for, and repetition leads to uh, the things that, that become as a part of who we are. And we want this to be second nature to all of us. 
And, and also, if there are people that are logging on for the first time and we just want them to hear our hearts, hear our focus. If you have logged on and you, you've just heard what we said and what we stand for and what we get excited about, and you feel, man, I want to be a part of that. I, I've been looking for a spiritual home. Um, I want to be a part of something that changes lives, impacts communities, changes a nation. Then we would love to invite you to make an offer to serve. What is that? It's, a, it's just you saying, listen, I have some natural gifts. I have some spiritual gifts. I think I can be a blessing to those around me. And I really believe that. The, the, the Bible speaks very clearly of the fact that we are a bo- the body of Christ. There's different members and we all have a role to play. So if you are keen to do that, check in the description. There's a link to where you can click and then fill out a online form. Or you can just send us an email at info at We would love to hear from you. We have a podcast, the Love Key Church podcast. We run it on uh, all the podcast platforms. You can just go check it out on Apple or Spotify or Google. All of them have it. And what we do there is we share the message of the week from here as a podcast. And there are also some amazing interviews that we do on the Love Unlocks live sessions. Amazing testimonies of how God's love has unlocked people's lives. And this week, I have a very exciting guest, a man named Wayne Hilsden, he is the pastor of King of Kings Church in Jerusalem, one of the most, one of the biggest Messianic Jewish churches in the world, and he also runs Firm, the Firm Foundation, which is a foundation that we as a church support. So please check out Love Unlocks this week and make sure you don't miss it. We are always excited about people having birthdays and anniversaries. If you are having a birthday, please let us know. We would love to hear from you. Just pop in there uh, a high five or, a, or something so that I can know that it's your birthday, you're having an anniversary. We, we always want to know if that's happening. I'm having a birthday. <laughs> I'm getting there. Oh, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, baby. We will make sure that, that you have a birthday. <laughs> it is Aleta's birthday week. She, it's a birthday on the 12th of Feb and then it's Valentine's Day. So Woo! it's always a busy three days in this household. <laughs> And uh, we're very excited about that. So we will sing again for her next Sunday, but I think we need to sing for her today. Um, so is everyone ready? Are you going to sing for yourself? Apparently. Am I going to put no. the camera on you and then we can... <laughs> no. Okay, wherever you are, wherever you're logging in from, I want you to sing happy birthday out loud. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Aleta. Happy birthday to you. Yay! (laughs) And if you're having an anniversary, happy anniversary. Well done. Stand strong. Keep going. It's worth it. It's worth doing it with God. That's so cool. All right. We are so excited about today. We want to get into the worship. We want to get into the word. We want you to just really take this moment wherever you're at. I know it's sometimes weird. You're sitting in your bed or on a couch or whatever. You may be still having a coffee or a breakfast. Um, I know what it's like to do church online, but even though we are meeting in this way, we would still love for you to connect, to be intentional, to focus. I want to invite you to, to try to get rid of the distractions, to focus, because it is possible for all of us to have an encounter with God today Amen. and to go deeper in our relationship with Him and to get convicted about the things we need convicted by, get encouraged, inspired, wherever we can. Jesus. As we remain in a place of worship, my wife's going to share a message on 
tithes, offerings, and giving this morning. Um, I'd like you to open up your hearts. Let let the Lord lead you and speak to you in this moment. Thank you. When Heinz asked me to to do this message, I had so many thoughts running through my mind and so many, because I've heard so many messages on tithing and I've, I am so many great ones and there are so many like spot on ones in the Bible and my head was going in different am I going to speak about the seed am I going to speak about germination am I going to speak about this about that and then last night it was as if it just hit me my my heading for this word is put your money where your mouth is so we are God's children and we say that we love Him. And we say that we trust Him. We, we do it often. We just sang it. You are welcome in this place. It's all about you. How great is your love? We worship you. We worship you. We love you. But how can we prove our love to our God? Hetty Brits has this saying that says, you, you put your money in things that you value. Where you, where you spend your money is where you find your value. So if you keep on spending your money on your children, which we all do, we all know it, that is where we find our value. That's what we put our value. If you put it in clothes or in wine or in food or in whatever, that is where you find your value and that you find valuable. But then we say we trust God. And we, we want Him to protect us from, from what's going on in the world. And we want Him to do all these things for us. But we actually do not put our money where our mouth is. And we do not sow into His kingdom. And, and probably giving is the biggest way of sacrifice. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. I think giving is something that touches everybody. That really, it, it touches you to be able to give or to, to give. It, it's a sacrificial thing. It's something that hurts you. And that is where God tests your love for Him. Are you going to do something sacrificial to show that you really trust Him to come through for you? That you really believe that He's going to protect you? That you really, really love Him and that you really, really put Him first? The, The Word says, put God first. Search first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your might. What is the biggest way that we can prove our love is by being obedient to His Word. And His Word says that we should sow. His Word says that we should tithe and that it will unlock like we have this love unlocks. It will unlock because it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's proof of your love for Him. It's proof. How do you prove to your husband or your wife that you love them? There is sacrifice involved. You can't just do what you want to do. Yeah, I love you, but I'm going to do what I want to do. No, there is some commitment and some sacrifice needing to take place to show that you actually do love your spouse. So what are we going to do as a church family today to show God that we love Him? We are going to give even if it's sacrificially because He loves the giver that's joyful and cheerful, but He does it from a place of sacrifice. Guys, if you really trust God, you're going to give. That's what we do. If you trust God, if you say, God, I don't know how I'm going to come through. If I have to pay my tithe, I'm not going to come out. That is not faith and that is not trust. See what happens if you do it, if you put God first, if you sow first, when you get your your salary or your income, whatever you make, if you take a tithe of that, because it is through the Bible. You can't say it's Old Testament. It's through the Bible. It's everywhere. It is something that is expected of us as God's children. And it's not a, supposed to be a... a 
a verki, it doesn't have to be, it has to be something that we want to do because we worship God. We want to give back to Him. It's something that you should not be able to be to wait to do once your money is in your bank, to be able to sow and to give and to donate. And we have many ways that you can sow into this ministry. It's going to be on the screen just now, whether by EFT or by SnapScan or by, I don't even know. But if you are um, involved in another local church, sow in your local church. Bless the people there. Let's have hearts that shows God that we really, really love Him. So I want to challenge you to this week, put your money where your mouth is and show God how much you love Him. Amen. Well done, baby. That's amazing. I want to give. All right, let's, let's pray over the offering as you give right now. We just want to bring it to God. Jesus, we thank you for everything that you have given us. Everything we receive is yours and comes from you. And we thank you for that. We glorify you for that. We praise you for that. You are good. You are God. There's no one like you. Lord, in Malachi, you say we must bring the offer, offering into the storehouse not give it we must bring it and this morning we bring what already belongs to you and we thank you and we trust you for the promises in your word around giving what we are supposed to give bringing what we're supposed to bring and just living lives of generosity we thank you for that we thank you in jesus name lord i pray over these offerings that come in that you will bless them that you will use them for the furthering of your kingdom that you will help us to wisely Uh, apply these funds so that we can reach more people to help them align with your purposes and reign in life. In Jesus' name, we pray and we thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. All right. It's Sunday. Wow. And we are here and we get to hear the word of the Lord. It's very exciting. And um, yeah, Let's, let's pray for that as well. Lord Jesus, I just commit this word to you. I thank you that you will bless whatever is going to happen, that, that the words that come, the scripture we read will, will be life and to people's hearts, will be love to people's lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so some of you who've been journeying with us for a while will know that our main values that you've heard by now as well today is we want to encounter God, align with His purposes, and reign in life, and help others to do the same. And we have been speaking on this first value of encounter for, I saw, nine times, nine weeks. Since we, st- well, yeah, actually we spoke nine, eight times with the first uh, season, uh, first session we spoke on our origin story. But then we've been on a series of encountering God, and using examples from the Bible of how people had encounters with God, how it changed their lives. And that value, I hope, is there's a foundation laid that by now you know that that is where it starts. It starts with having those encounters, those moments with God. And this week I felt that God said we need to now move on to aligning. What does it mean to align with Him? So we're starting a new series of aligning with God's purposes and the whole idea there is to, is to look at how do we make sure that we are, after having an encounter, after hearing God, after reading the Word, 
it's it's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to have the encounter. But what do we do about it? Are we just going to be hearers of the word? Or are we going to be doers of the word? And the alignment in a big way comes from that. So we are starting a series on alignment. And the message title today may sound a little bit weird to you. (laughs) But I will explain as we go. The message title is, Going from status quo to status whoa. <laughs> All right? I like it when things rhyme and we play with words. So we're going from status quo to status whoa. So the, uh, you can pick up on that. If you don't know what status quo means, it means being in a place that stays the same. So it's status quo is the, the situation is the same and it remains the same. So if you want to change the status quo, you change the way things are currently now. And by saying that, I mean in this context that we want to go from where we are and not be okay with plateauing at a certain spiritual place, but to always strive for more in God, always want to go deeper in our relationship with Him. Okay, so let's talk about what does alignment mean. I'm going to tell you a bit of a story from my own life, and maybe it'll help you, because it has helped me to understand this concept. Recently, uh, for a couple of weeks ongoing, I was struggling with hectic lower back pain. It actually immobilized me for a while, and it was quite debilitating. I had it before, but it came back with a vengeance, it seemed, and it was really difficult to deal with. And then I had some physiotherapy and it helped. Uh, there was incremental changes over a slow, a, a, a long period of time, but not really any kind of breakthrough. And I couldn't figure out why. This, this thing just keeps on going, keeps on going. Uh, obviously, we prayed. We, you know, massaged it. We st- I did stretches, all that stuff. And, but nothing really quite changed it. Eventually, when I, when I explained the, the pain that I was experiencing to my wife, she said, listen, maybe a chiropractor can help you. So I, I ended up going to a chiropractor here locally. And before he even had me on the table and did anything, we just had a long conversation. And he explained to me a bunch of basics. And he started with my body's alignment. Is your body aligned? Because a lot of the pain issues we have is because of not being in alignment. So then he got me onto the table. I was lying on my stomach and he put my feet together and my right leg seemed to be about that much shorter than my left leg. It's not a nice thing to hear. Like, listen, your one leg is out. And he said, don't worry, it's not really shorter. It just looks shorter because you're out of alignment. So he said that what I'm experiencing, the pain I'm experiencing is a symptom. The the root cause is actually the alignment. So then he started doing what Kairos do, and he put things in place, and the next moment my feet are together, and my hips are in in alignment. My one hip was out of alignment with the other one. I don't feel it, but it is like that. And what I don't realize is I've been compensating with the way I walk, the way I move, the way I carry my baby while I have this thing. And I don't realize that over time, I'm slowly but surely doing quite a bit of damage and there's a moment where it just got it's got to give so now I need to be aware that I am in alignment but I want to stay there okay and I need to do the stretches I need to be aware of how I move and all that kind of stuff so I think by now you can probably see where I'm going with this 
I don't want to just tell you my medical history. I want you to get something spiritual. So we need to make sure in our spiritual lives that we are saved, born-again believers, and that we are aligned with God, His Word, and His purposes for our lives. If we are not aligned, then little by little we compensate. And another word for compensate actually is compromise. We compromise a little here and a little there. And over time, damage is done. And we, we actually wake up one day and there is hurt, brokenness, and a lack of purpose. And it all started when we weren't aligned with God's purposes. I'm going to throw a couple of scriptures at you to just prove this point. Romans 8.6. Romans 8.6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. That is where we set our mind. All right? It's an alignment. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. 2 Timothy 3 All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof and correction, for training in righteousness. We need to ask ourselves, how is our training in righteousness going? Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be aligned to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern What is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? In other words, words, we need to align with that. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Not another race, not another track, not another sport. This race set before us. So from these couple of scriptures, which you can build a sermon on each one of them, we can see how important it is for us to be connected to the source, God, and to be in alignment with Him. And one of the main ways we stay in alignment is through reading and meditating on the Word of God. You may know the scripture from Joshua 1, where God says to Joshua, who's, who's becoming the leader of the Israelites after Moses, He says to him, Be strong and courageous. And then he says, you need to meditate on my word day and night. It needs to be completely part of who we are. I know that I personally, I'm not there. I'm not preaching these things because I've arrived and I know everything. And I know most of you out there may feel the same way. But this is where God wants to bring us to. So we need to start moving in that direction. The status quo is not okay. We need to move towards him. He says, if you... If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And if we read his word, we meditate on it, he will come through for us. He will be there. We did encountering God first, and we need to encounter God to hear him and be obedient to aligning with him. So always remember that even though we are now talking about the alignment thing, it always is preceded by the encounter. All right. So that stays important. Cool. Now, we're a bit more clear on what alignment is, all right? So that was like an introduction to what alignment means, the fact that we need to be aligned with God's will. And we, over the next few weeks, we're going to go into that a bit more. Today, I want to chat to you about the alignment of maturity 
And I want to show you the connection between spiritual maturity and love defined by God, not the world. So we're going to get into that. And the way, the way I saw this, I, I was riding bike on Tuesday and I felt God just speak to me almost this whole sermon that I have to do today. It kind of just was a download. And, and, and he, what he showed me was that the story of how I learned to, to ride a bike and later in life wanted to do more with it is kind of a cool analogy for what we're talking about today. So I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story around this. When I was little and I had to go to school, we were living in Stellenbosch, and the school was very close at that stage to our house. And my parents taught me how to walk on my own from the house, cross the road, and to the school. Back then, it was totally fine and safe. Um, so that was the first thing. Later on, I was taught to ride my bike to school. And, and for the rest of my school and university career, that's how I got from point A to B. I rode a bike. My dad taught me what he knew. I learned a little bit more as I went along and saw what friends did and as I tried stuff myself. But ultimately, I knew how to ride a bike from point A to point B. It was the way I traveled. That was kind of it. Didn't do much more than that. And I always thought that it is such a weird thing that people actually want to also use their bikes for exercise. I'm like, I'm already riding so much on this thing. I don't want to do anything extra on it. And as soon as I have a car, I will only drive a car. <laughs> That's kind of this thing that I decided way back. But then, obviously, life went on. I got married. I got children. And we moved to Somerset West. And the lifestyle here, the, the nature, everything's so close and so nice. And as the kids grew up, they wanted to have bikes. They wanted to ride around. And I realized, man, that's something I actually want to do with them. And that whole thing that I had in my mind of I will never ride for exercise <laughs> just started shifting. And I realized I actually want to be able to do that and have fun with my kids. And, but then I looked at prices of bikes and it was like insane. I couldn't believe how much it cost um, so I, I started saving up and, or looking for a kind of a windfall of, you know, extra cash so we can do it. And it, it happened in a time where we couldn't really afford it. I got a bit of a royalty check and I could go buy at least a starting entry-level bike. <laughs> so I went to, to Rock Hoppers here in Somerset West and I, I walked in. I said, I, I would like to get a new bike. And the guy took me to a bike that cost 66,000 rand and I laughed out loud. <laughs> And I said, no, 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 show me the next one. He, the next one he showed me was 33,000 rand. I laughed a little less loud, but I still laughed. And I said to him, dude, I can't do that. So then he took me to a bike that cost 11,000 rand. I was like, yes, now we're talking. This I can probably do. Long story short, we were able to eventually get a deal on two demo models. And I was able to get a two-for-one deal. And my wife got a bike as well that she rides every week. Uh, I'm kidding. But... Um, <laughs> She will, she will. She will ride soon. All right. Um, so now I've got this bike, and I, I, I want to ride with the kids, but I'm also I'm going to do mountain biking. All right. So my whole life, or a big part of my life, I rode the bike just from point A to B. It was just for transport. Now I want to do mountain biking. So you could say it's like a next step. And I didn't know nothing about it. I've seen people do it. I've seen some videos. I've seen some epic fails of guys coming down a downhill and falling and going, that looks dangerous. Uh, but I want to try. 
So I started riding on my own around here, try to figure out, listen, where do guys go? Ask some questions, but one, people said Helderberg Farm. So I went to Helderberg Farm, got lost twice, almost didn't get out of there because I was on my own and no one was helping me. Um, and I just had all these interesting experiences. Then I wanted to do the wannabe trail, but I heard you need to pay. Eventually, we were able to go with some friends. Now, the day I went with them, it was the end of last year, we went to this trail. I mean, they, I normally do like, I mean, this is a joke. You're going to laugh if you're into cycling. But I normally do like 15Ks or so because that's normally what I have time for. But this morning, we went for over 30Ks, and they took me up in into places I've never been, never even knew it was in this area. And we got to this one downhill. It's like a hectic downhill. It's supposed to be a lot of fun. But I came down there, and I started shaking like this. I felt like I was shaking my, my skin off my body. It was really bad. Like, and I shook, 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 shook. <laughs> came down. I was like, I was a bit shell-shocked, literally. And going, why did that happen? This was not supposed to go like this. I don't know why that happened. And I, and I turned to one of my friends who I went to ride with, and I said, dude, I don't know what was wrong, but I came down here and I shocked into another blood group. I don't know what is happening. And he just he took one look at my bike, and he said, your suspension is turned to lock. You just need to open it. <laughs> one look from someone with experience who's done this before, who's been on a bike way more than I have, who's been around other people, that have done a lot of cycling and gone into the wannabes a few times. He knows the road, he knows his bike, he knows how these things work. I felt so green and clueless, and I knew nothing about this. But because he has more experience, because he knows more than I do, he could take one look at what was wrong, see the problem, fix the problem, and tell me why. And then he also trained me, said, if you go uphill, you lock it. If you go downhill, you open it. It changed my mountain biking life, you guys. It really did. And I'm so glad that he said that to me because it really made a huge impact. So I was trying to figure out how to go from being a point A to B guy to being a mountain biker on my own, and it didn't go so well. But as soon as I was willing to let people in who knows more than I do about this specific thing, I was able to learn something. Now, I could have kept quiet. I could have stood there, tried to show that I didn't just have a shocking experience <laughs> um, and not ask for help. Or I could humble myself, be vulnerable and say, dude, I don't know why this happened. Help me. And I did that. And if you are with someone that, that's a friend, that cares about you, that, that loves you and wants to see you do well, they should respond after a bit of a chuckle, obviously, <laughs> with help, helping advice, which they did. So from this, obviously, I, I, I want you to understand how important it is for us to not try and do this thing called Christianity alone, this thing called the faith walk, this thing we are doing every week. It's not just about gathering for a service or watching something online, getting in, in, Afrika in Afrikaans, we, people would say, I can let my patkosi krijgen, my geestelike patkosi. It's not just that. It is to have encounters with the living God and to change our lives. But I have seen in my own life that God works through people. He works through relationships. 
And yes, we can have amazing times alone with Him, and we have to. It's very important. But a lot of the growing and the maturing happens among people that know God as well, that love Him and love you, love me, and want to see us do better. And we need to make sure that we surround ourselves with people like that. What I was doing with my bike was actually abusing it without knowing it. I don't know if you know where the word abuse comes from. It comes from abnormal use. When you use something that it's not intended for. And I was using my bike for something it, it wasn't supposed to. And in the process, what was I doing? I was abusing myself. I was getting hurt. And we sometimes do this as well. With great intentions, we cluelessly move forward and abuse things, people, and ultimately ourselves. And we miss what God wants to do. When we are out of alignment, no matter how good your intentions are, we will abuse others. I already made that point. Sometimes I go ahead of my notes. <laughs> so the other thing that I realized, and this is also an area where I was completely clueless until I ended up going to a tire shop a few times and speaking to the people that work there, the alignment of your tires of your cars are very important. I don't know if you've ever done it yourself, but when they do that, they put the car, the wheels, on a computer, and that thing calibrates to, I mean, it has to be perfect. They cannot allow for it to be out by even a little degree because then your wheel will go smoother on the one side than the other side, and it causes damage and it's really just a bad thing. See how technical I am? I, I know exactly how it works. The point is, they make sure that your wheel is perfectly aligned, and you actually have to go back often. I don't go often enough. I know that, but I try to. And anyway, that's just another way of knowing how important alignment is. Why did my friend help me? He helped me because we are in a relationship, and he cares to see that I do well. Now, how do we get from... The status quo, like I'm a guy just riding a bike from A to B, trying to get into mountain biking all by myself. How I'm in a place that is difficult. It's probably going to take way longer than what it should if, unless I have help. So how do I go from status quo, my status quo of how I cycle, to status whoa and being able to shout that down a hill while I enjoy it? <laughs> um, it is really a thing of getting into discipleship. So that gets me to the main point of today and our main scripture. I know, normally I throw the scripture out in front. Today, I wanted to set this up first, and now we'll get into that. So we're going to talk about the connection between love, discipleship, and maturity. And our, our verse for today comes from 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul says in verse 11, When I was a child... I spoke like a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, in other words, when I matured, I put away childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then, in other words, when we mature, face to face. Now, before we mature, we know in part, but then, in other words, when I mature, I shall know just as I also am known. And now, abide, uh, and now abide faith, hope, love, these three. 
but the greatest of these is love. He's talking about maturity and how that it's connected to love. Now, we know how important discipleship and relationship is to Paul because we can see that in a scripture in 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 2, where he says to Timothy, you then, my child, so he's a sees himself as a spiritual father speaking to a spiritual son, but also Timothy was very young. He said, to uh, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. And what you have heard from me, in other words, I as the, as the spiritual, strong, spiritually stronger one, what I have taught you, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, you now need to entrust to faithful men and they who will be able to teach others also. So we have the first generation of Paul speaking to the second generation, Timothy, who can speak to the people around him, peers and people that are spiritually weaker. So you see these levels of discipleship that needs to happen. So the same Paul that speaks about the importance of maturity and the connection with it has to love is now speaking to Timothy also about the importance of discipleship. Now, as we said earlier, we're about to enter the week where we celebrate Valentine's Day. Um, we call this the day of love. But is it really love? Is it really about love? Is, is chocolates with hearts and flowers really about love the way God intended it? We need to ask ourselves this. As you may have noticed, we're getting um, into all these things. And I want to continue this question about love next week on another verse. But I want us to really ask this question and open up the conversation about what is love. Why do we need to ask these questions? Because I believe the first big strategic and critical alignment that God wants us all to do is to have a deep revelation about what His definition of love is. All right, I'm going to say that again. Why are we doing this? Because I believe... The first big strategic and critical alignment that God wants all of us to do is to have a deep revelation about what His definition of love is. Our church is called Love Key. The interviews I do is called Love Unlocks. I myself don't have the full revelation. I know that. But I'm, I'm focused on trying to get there, to, to learn more about what it really means. It is so important why do we need to do this? Why do we need to align with God's definition of love as Christians? Because Paul tells us that real love, like God defines it, is where true maturity lies. If you don't believe me, I want to read you the context of the scripture I just read to you. I, read, I, I, I brushed over the fact that I said 1 Corinthians 13, because for many people, you would have heard the first part of 1 Corinthians 13 at at least one wedding that you've attended, because it's normally the verses that are quoted during the sermon. But I want you to see today the context, because Paul made that point about maturity. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I understood like a child, but when I became a man, he had that thing in the context of 1 Corinthians 13. So let's go through that. You have, know you may know this well, but try to listen to this in a way that you don't think about romantic love, eros love, but think about it 
in agape love, the definition that God has for love. He starts off by saying, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I, have a, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries of all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Now that verse from Paul will probably make a bit more sense because he talks about things being in part and things being full. And when he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. In other words, maturity is connected to a fuller revelation of what God's love is and walking it out. In other words, if I am a mature Christian, the sign in my life needs to be that I am kind, that I'm not arrogant, that I'm not boastful that I'm not rude, that I don't insist on my own way. I'm not irritable, resentful, rejoice in wrongdoing, but I rejoice in the truth. I know this seems impossible to live up to for all of us. I myself fail miserably on a regular basis. But the question is, how are our hearts positioned towards God when we read this? Do we just go, ah, I'll never do it? It's fine. God loves me anyway. Or do we have an, a position of, I want to grow in that. I want to become mature in that way, the way God wants me to be. From this, it's very clear that Paul is telling us, love God's way is perfection and fullness and re will replace everything that's partial. Love is eternal. The gifts and the deeds are temporary. So, do you know, or do you now see the link between love and maturity? If you don't, maybe this will help. John 15, Jesus says, we need to abide in Him and be in a loving relationship with Him because apart from Him, we can do nothing. Yes, He says nothing. So, obviously, He wasn't saying to His, his disciples, you can't, do anything, like walk or do that. or do. He was saying you can do nothing that has eternal value, nothing of value and significance. You can do stuff, you can be busy, but it won't have value because you're not abiding in Him. When you read this together with 1 Corinthians 13, you realize that you can do things that even look spiritual and right, but if it's done without love, 
you are not, you are doing nothing. So we can be busy, even think we are busy with God's work. But if it's not backed up by God's idea of love flowing out of us, then we are actually doing nothing. I know it seems harsh, but this is very clear from these scriptures. I know I have fallen into this trap many times myself, and it's, it's not like I've arrived. This message is for all of us all the time. You may know a famous song by, by Tina Turner, one of my dad's favorites. She sings, What's love got to do, got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? And she calls it a secondary emotion. She calls love a secondary emotion. And who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? It's a great song melodically, but in terms of lyrics, it's really depressing. <laughs> but there are many other ways and songs that the world is trying to define to us what love is. But according to God, love, His definition of love, is everything. I want to tell you something interesting that, that blew my mind. God... Nowhere does Jesus tell his disciples, I love you. Nowhere is it written that Jesus says, I love you. The closest he comes is when he says, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. That's the closest that he gets directly quoting it or saying it. So Jesus never actually said, I love you. But do you think that his disciples doubted that he loved them for one second. Do you maybe doubt whether he loves you? Or did his broken, blood-drenched, barely recognizable body with outstretched arms, taking the penalty of my sin, your sin, and all the sin of all the world, past, present, and future, not completely convince you? Paul's quote that I read the first time from my experience gets used a lot when it, to talk about maturity only. And the first couple of verses are used, as I said, a lot in wedding ceremonies and when we speak about love, but in a more in a romantic context. So if we go to, if you read chapter 12, 13 and 14 together, as it was supposed to be, as it was intended, you will see that in 12, Paul speaks about the importance of spiritual gifts and how important it is to know what they are, and to live them out. That's also why we as a church want you to offer to serve in that area where you have a spiritual gift. How can you be a blessing to the body of Christ? And that's, that's the same thing that Paul is doing here. He's saying there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But then he starts, as we see, Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13, he starts off by explaining to us that you can have a spiritual gift. But if you don't use it from a place of love, you're doing nothing. So he sets it up. We all have spiritual gifts. You need to exercise them. But then he emphasizes how important the love aspect of it is. Then we go through 13. And after 13, in chapter 14, he speaks about the importance of the gift of prophecy and comparing it to the gift of tongues. And the whole time he is explaining it's better to have the gift of prophecy operating in the church because that edifies and builds up the church. Whereas if you just pray in a tongue, you are hearing from God, communing to God, but you are only connecting with Him. And it's not for the edification of the whole church. 
So we need to be aware that that is what love really is. Paul is discipling his readers from a place of love about true love so that they can go and love well. He's helping them become mature in love so that they can become spiritually mature. Can you see that connection? Paul loves them. He wants them to understand the love of God, what it really means, and what it looks like in their own lives when they do love God. And that is what's trying to, what he's trying to get across. So we can see that we are not mature Christians if we do not love by God's definition. Not the world's, not your own, and certainly not that of St. Valentine. So we are faced with these questions today. Do I know what love is according to God? Or do I just think I know? Do I really know deep down in who I am, what God's love is? Do I love the way He wants me to love? Do I love the way that 1 Corinthians 13 explains? In other words, is my love, the way I love, aligned with His love? We all need to be deeply convicted by the truth that we need to constantly mature in Christ by consistently growing in our understanding and application of love in all aspects of our lives. I want to invite you to seriously reflect and respond to these verses and truths. I want us all to press pause on the busyness, on any distractions, and to quiet ourselves before the Lord and focus on loving Him and loving others His way, by His definition. It is ultimately the two greatest commandments according to Jesus. Jesus also said, if we love Him, we will keep His commandments. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then he said, by this the world will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. And then in John 17, he passionately prays to the Father that his disciples and those who follow them will be one as he and the Father are one. Jesus and the Father are in the ultimate, loving, intimate relationship. That is what he wants for his church. And listen to this. He says that because when that happens, when there's unity in the church, then the world will know that Jesus was sent. Do you hear that? The ultimate evangelistic tool that we have is to be one in Christ, in the church. Because when the world looks at the church and it sees a unified body of Christ, then they will go, wow, Jesus came. He's real. But when they look at a church that's divided with over 60,000 denominations worldwide and growing, many of them will go, there can't be a Jesus. Look at the division. Where does the, the division come from? I know better, you know better, we don't agree, let's start a new church. No. It's also not why we started a church. We started a church because God said so. <laughs> but you can start a church because you don't like what someone else is doing. And that is not the heart of God. It's not boastful, it's not arrogant, it does not want to have its own way. That's the love of God. 
And we have to all ask ourselves, do I really love my brothers and sisters in Christ so that the world will know that we are disciples of Jesus? Do I love them to the extent that we are united in spirit? We may not agree on certain things, but we major in the major issues and we minor in the minor issues. We all have the mission to see Jesus come into everyone's life. If we can agree on that, and it's come, coming from a place of we love people that are broken and need Jesus so much that we want to get Jesus to them, then we can start getting those conversations going and see the unity that Jesus speaks of. Don't you want the world to look at the church and go, oh, my word, Jesus must be real. I want to go to church. I think we all want that. How do we get there? Each and every one of us have to align with God's idea of love and grow in it till maturity because then we will be perfect in Him and what we do will have eternal value. Let's choose today to not waste our time on things that don't have eternal value and let's choose to follow Him wholeheartedly. Yes, we may make mistakes. We may fall in sin. We may do things that we know we shouldn't be doing. But is your heart still focused on Him? Do you still have a repentant heart that when you do mess up, you're like, oh, Lord, that's not who I am. I am your son. I am your daughter. I live from this place of your love. Help me, Jesus. And you know why when we read these things, it seems impossible? It's because we can't do it on our own. <laughs> we need two things. We need the Holy Spirit's supernatural strength in us, and we need people that help us grow. Discipleship. I hope you can see that God's love, maturing as a Christian, and the importance of discipleship are intrinsically woven together so that we can all always be going from status quo to status quo and, and get to that place where we stand before God one day and He says, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. When I test your life against the fire, my holy consuming fire, I can see that you love me. I can see that you loved people. And that is where we all want to end up. I want you to take a moment um, to just reflect and respond to what we spoke about today. I would like for you to just close your eyes, focus on Jesus, make sure that, that, he, that he is the only thing that you are focusing on right now, thinking about right now, that you will let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart right now. There's something supernatural that can happen in this moment if you are open to it. You can have an encounter with Him right now. You can align with His purposes right now. Just close your eyes. Focus on Jesus. And know that He is there with you. When you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. I'm going to pray for you and I want you to just receive what God is doing right now. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you for each and every person that's online right now, that's listening to this, that has been with us throughout this whole session, even with all the little technical hiccups and glitches, Lord. I thank you that you are present. I thank you that you are bigger than all these things. And I thank you that you are coming into all of our lives right now. And you're speaking to us. You're ministering to us. Lord, I thank you right now that you will... I almost see this picture of a, of a drive, a hard drive that has been completely programmed with the world's definition of love. And I just see you come and you, you override this hard drive and you rewrite the true definition of love. And it's implanted in each one's heart. I thank you right now that you do that, that you that you plant your definition of love into each and every one of our hearts, that we will know what love really is, that we will know that your love is a love that gives, that sacrifices, and that serves. Help us, Lord, to live that way. You said the two most important commandments are to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors the way we love ourselves. It's all about love, your love, your definition. Lord, as we enter this week where we're going to be bombarded by the world's idea of love, we ask that you will build a hedge around our minds and our hearts and that we will only inquire of you and your word, what love is, and that we will share that with others and live that towards others. May people know that we love them, even if we don't say, I love you, just like you did, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. I pray for every man, woman, child, and marriage, and family that is listening right now, that is that is having an encounter with you right now. I thank you that you bless them, that you strengthen them, that you protect them, that you guide them. I thank you that you surround them with the angels you've put over them, that you cover them with the blood of Jesus, and that you strengthen them for this week to come. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'd love for you, if you can be part of our church family, to, to fill out the offer to serve. You can go back into this post details to see the ways that you can bring your offering, your giving, or your tithe. And we will. Uh, you can stay on the Facebook page, go and like it, subscribe, and make sure that you stay up to date. And there we will show you, tell you when we are gathering again and where that will be. So thank you for that. May you be blessed. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. We love you. God loves you. This is going to be a great week. We'll see you next Sunday, same time, same place, unless we tell you we're meeting. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church message of the week. We trust that you found that encouraging, inspiring, hopefully challenging in a good way, and that you will come back next week to listen again. Please remember to like, 
follow and subscribe and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging and inspiring to you. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and your family. Bye-bye.